BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Caroline Stanbury, star of The Real Housewives of Dubai. I'm remarried and living my best life ever. See, there's so much life after divorce. I'm starting my new chapter unapologetically. I'm bringing real stories, real life, real talk on all things that aren't said between each other, society, the sheets, and everything in the middle. And lucky me, you'll be joining me on the journey. Listen to all new episodes every Wednesday. So buckle up. So welcome back to another episode of Divorce Not Dead. And I'm very excited today to um, be joined by Laura Bell Gray, who is the founder of Talking Shrimp, co-creator of The Copy Cure, and author of Tough, Tough Titties, which just made me laugh, and Living Your Best Life When You're the Effing Worst. Sorry. Well, I think that's genius because we've all been there. And that's why I absolutely love what you do. I wanted to talk about sort of embracing all of our worst times. And actually, those worst times, so many times, do lead to our best times, which is what I pretty much think your books are about. So welcome. I'm very excited to have you today. Oh, thank you so much, Caroline. Yes, that is accurate. I would say embracing the, embracing the tough times or just when we are the effing worst per the subtitle is key because that is what, I mean, I have found that all my not supposed to behavior and episodes in my life and phases in my life have led me right to where I'm supposed to be. And I think that's true for many of us who would, even those of us who would rather bury those times in our life or those stages or mistakes that we made that we consider failures or big looming gaffes, I I think that they all add up to the best life possible. I am totally behind you because I, you know, I mean, I've, I've been in the public eye probably in the UK since I was about 16, 17. So most of my gaffes were public and, you know, I've, I've been married, I lost businesses, you know, after sticking my face on the side of buses. So, you know, doing TV shows. So all of my failures were quite public and 
you know, actually all of them led me to where I was meant to be. I actually spent my uh, 43rd birthday in Queen's Court in England, finishing my eight-year law case with some with a civil lit- liquidator. So, you know, wow. and all of them, I wouldn't change any of it. And I, you know, I really wouldn't change any of it. I'm sitting here now married to a wonderful man. And I remember Matt thinking about it many times, watching those ridiculous movies, you know, in the, the 80s movies where the guy's sort of banging on the window and throwing stones and in love with you. <laughs> and, you know, just thinking at my my age when it when I sort of decided to leave, that this would never happen for me because I'd missed the boat. But all of the things that led me to here today, sitting in this room even with my podcast, my, you know, new house, my new husband, my everything. I'm, I'm where I'm meant to be. I so agree. You know, people ask me a lot, especially on podcasts, you know, the standard question, if you could go back in time and give your younger self one piece of advice or help them, help them avoid one big mistake, what would it be? And usually my answer is kind of nothing. I, I mean, I might go back and tell my younger self to buy a lot of New York real estate in like in the early 90s. But other than that, who knows, that would have changed the trajectory of my life also. So I, I usually say my answer is usually nothing. A, because my younger self would not have listened. And B, because my younger self needed to make all those mistakes, have all go through all those screw ups and all those episodes of delaying adulthood and tanking her career and getting involved with the wrong people in order to be where I am now. A hundred percent agree. And, you know, it's hard even letting go of friendships and all of these things that, you know, you hold on so dearly to when you're younger. And actually I had an amazing podcast with Susan Sarandon and she actually said this, the same thing. She put it in words like you should look at your life like a comedy and just not take it so seriously. And if you understood that the people and the the things that you thought were so important to you back then mean absolutely nothing to you that, you know, you would laugh at these tough times or in these tough times and at the people that said you can't or who, you know, you're never going to be anything or whatever. And that they're all characters in your plot. And actually it's a yeah. fascinating way to, to look at it because it's absolutely true. You know, we, we all sort of think everything is so important and so big and, you know, in our lives and that we'll never get past it and that, you know, life is over. And that's why I have difficulty talking to girlfriends who go into that victim mode or, you know, go into breakups and then waste, you know, another six years mourning the loss of their relationship, or sometimes they mourn the loss of the relationship longer than the bloody relationship. And you're like, what are you doing? Because he moved on. He moved on ages ago. And you're sitting there lunching with your friends, talking about your ex-husband again. I I am with you. Don't regret anything. You know, even if it hurt, it hurt for a reason. And actually, you know, feeling these things is always good for you. And then move, move the fuck on. Move the fuck on and never look back. Yes. Never look back. I find there are few things more challenging, intractable, to use a fancy word, than a friend who is stuck in their story and won't move on and is really just wallowing, enjoying the wallowing for way too long. It's so hard to get them through that. But that's a very good, I agree with Susan Sarandon's take of like viewing it kind of from above as a comedy 
and seeing everything, everyone as a necessary character and essential part of the story. Yeah. You know, we get so involved with people and friendships and lives and Sergio, funny enough, being my youngest uh, boyfriend, I suppose I've ever been out with has taught me the most, which is even more bizarre because he is somebody I, I held. And I think it's a boarding school thing. You know, because obviously back in the day when I went to boarding school for all those years, your family become your friends because you're not at home. And, you know, I didn't go to school with my brothers and sisters. And, you know, we 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 had whatever it was, two or three exiats a, a year. So, you know, your family are your friends. So and he always said that I give way too much value and time to my friends and that the most important thing should be my family and him and that the only opinions that matter are his and my family. And, you know, look, I'm, I've dialed down my friendship group a lot, not to where he, he, he would happily live in a bubble where it's just me and him and nobody else. And uh-huh. I don't think that's particularly healthy either. But no, I do understand what he's saying too, is that some of us let, you know, far too much noise in to our relationships and our lives. And we care too much about other people's opinions and all of this, you know, which has such bearing on who we are and our characters. Whereas you're saying, you know, sometimes just standing on your own, going through it, just brings you so much strength the other side and turns you into this whole new human if we just ride the whole thing through. So feeling your worst is so necessary to life. Yes. I have to remind myself of that sometimes because I do get sucked into moments. Usually things are, I feel like usually things are going pretty well for me, but I do have moments where I realize I like screwed something up in a big way, said something I shouldn't have. Maybe it was recorded. Maybe it was in an email to my list. And I, like, I have that, you know, that sting of adrenaline. It's like the feeling of realizing you left your passport at home when you're on the way to the airport, you know, that feeling of like, oh my God, like the panicky, like I'm going to die feeling. And I can get sucked into that when something goes wrong and I have to like remove myself from it. I had to talk myself down about something just yesterday. And I was like, okay, by tomorrow or maybe the next day, or maybe it'll take a week or whatever. This will be in the past. I'll be viewing this as maybe something funny that I did and learned from or something I should have learned from the first time, but maybe the second time we'll do the trick. And it'll be a story later. Like this, the, this too shall pass is, I don't know if that's from the Bible or where it's from, but they're pretty wise words. I think it's interesting because we're taught not to, well, to protect ourselves from all these things, I suppose. Whereas I think I've always innately had it in me that like, if I'm not meant to do it, I want to, you know? And I think that look, you're always going to have people that want to just simply cocoon themselves and follow the right path. And then you're always going to have people who like kamikaze. And, you know, just as you say that you have the adrenaline, you know, and that talk you down, I do that the whole time. But I think that's another boarding school thing because, you know, you're isolated. So, you know, you have a lot of time to think and talk to yourself. And I absolutely talk to myself from above and you know, look at myself and go, what are you doing? That's why, you know, I kind of therapize myself in a way because I'm like, snap out of it. You know, 
he doesn't like you. Well, it's his loss. There's somebody else that does. Or, you know, you made a bit bad business decision. So what? You're not sitting on your private island right now. But, you know, other people have made it when they were 50. You know, and all of these things. I talk myself into a positive space because there's no no one like yourself to do that. You know, other, only you can do that because you believe so much in you. I've been told no loads of times. I've also thought I was, you know, the shit and then it all blew up. So there's no method that's going to sort of get you there guaranteed. It's the belief in yourself. It's the talking to yourself. It's the talking yourself. Oh, one thing I can guarantee you is sitting in a corner, feeling the, as you said, the effing worst is going to get you a big fat nowhere. And that is guaranteed. And the longer you sit there, the more things get worse, not better. Yeah. You're saying that sulking isn't productive. Not at all. In in essence. Yeah. Feeling sorry for yourself. I very much agree with that. I'm interested when you, you've talked about boarding school a couple of times now, and I listened to your, before this interview, I listened to your very first episode of the podcast where you were saying something that you probably have said a lot that your, your first marriage was that relationship was informed also by boarding school, like being in that student teacher kind of relationship. He would hate to hear that because it's not even his fault. I think no? not really. I think it was more, you know, he, he's a more traditional kind of husband, obviously, you know, and he wants to, I mean, also the way we all grew up, everyone wanted a traditional marriage. All my friends had very traditional marriages where the men are in control, the wives are the wives. I was one of the only ones working, I guess, the way I was working, which was full on, right? So I was building a big company at the time. And so, you know, I had a driver, I had the, so I was kind of like, it became a little bit competitive in a way, you know, which also isn't healthy. But I think that, that on top of it, he still wanted that traditional wife. So when I got home and I'm exhausted, he still really wished I'd made the dinner or I had you know, I, I give a good example. I was hosting a dinner party once at the house here and I'm, I'm really good at delegating. <laughs> and I, you know, he's sitting down enjoying all the friends and he wanted me to get up and serve everyone, even though I'd hired people to serve the canapes so that I could sit and be with everyone. And I just realized that, you know, it was just so important to him that I was doing it. And I'm not sure why, but it's just the old fashioned thing. Like the white, you know, his, she's the host and she's going to do this. But I wanted to sit down and talk to my friends just like he was. And I just realized, you know, that, and he would use all this big language that I never understood and talk to me. And I, business dinners, I just knew I didn't want to do like financial business dinners anymore. And I just, I didn't want to be a grown up. I don't know whether that's boarding school. I mean, I'm probably a therapist's dream. That's probably boarding school too, because I feel like I'm not ready to be grown up and I'm 40 bloody seven. I've got to be grown up, haven't I? But, you know, I just don't feel like I'm ready. I feel like I did that. I feel like, you know, I built a massive company with all these big men and I've had this like grown up life where I was like, you know, just a different person. And I was, you know, I don't know. I looked like, I probably looked like Ivana Trump. I was like covered in Chanel and I went (laughs) to polo on the weekends and, you know, took business dinners and all of this stuff. And now I just want to like kick off my heels and like, lie around with my hot husband in my like toy house and like, you know, travel the world on the back of a motorbike. I mean, I don't know what's wrong with me. 
Yeah. Well, you are talking to the right person because I've always been a resistor of adulthood from the very start. Like other, I feel like other kids always wanted to be older. Other girls wanted to be older. They wanted to be more grown up. They wanted to be, when we were in middle school, they wanted to be teenagers. When they were teenagers, they wanted to be. At school, Mm -hmm. I wanted to be grown up. I dressed, Uh I, I dressed like a like I, a Bokaraton <laughs> polo mum when I was in school, like I, I, you know, and drove a Range Rover, like, and now I, you know, as I said, I want to be in Bali on the back of my motorcycle with my, my husband, who's 28 for Christ's sake. Yeah, as you should. Well, you, so you did the grown up thing. You just yes. got it out of your system early, maybe burned out on it. You OD'd on being a grown up. I OD'd on, yes, I did. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what happened. I, 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 I was a grown up and decided I didn't like it very much. I don't want to add all anymore. Yeah. And I just realized that whole life was wrong for me. I, and it was funny because I realized it in a very luxurious resort in Thailand, looking at wherever in like one of the most expensive resorts in the world where, where everyone else would be like absolutely over the moon to be. And I'm like, I'm not meant to be here. This isn't yeah. my life. Which is what a waste of a luxurious result resort in Thailand, right? Yeah. No, I, I would say I was the opposite because I just didn't, I didn't want any of those things. I didn't want to, I didn't want that kind of job where, I mean, when I graduated from college, it was, you know, early nineties. So there was, there was no such thing as, uh, as social media, as an online, like writing job, blogging, none of those things existed. It was the, the picture of success was wearing pantyhose and a power suit and with shoulder pads a working and girl. sitting at a desk a working, working exactly let the river run yeah yeah yes that and yes changing into your Reeboks into your white Reeboks to power walk home and I wanted none of that and I didn't want to like I couldn't picture myself married or with kids and I kept waiting to want that like you know, when are you going to be in a real relationship? When are you going to find the one so you can have kids? And then, you know, when are you, I I think that those pressures, because I didn't want them, like I would say influenced me to delay everything, to tank my career at times, to like when things were going good, I would get into a terrible relationship and put it all on pause, like something where I started ignoring my work and um, I got into a relationship for two and a half years with a married salsa instructor, like became obsessed with dance. And that so much so that I started dating the instructor because I really wanted to get good at salsa, which sounds very transactional. And it was at first. And then, of course, I fell in love with him just to like change the story for myself and then became obsessed with him because he was unavailable. Like I just pursued anything unavailable that would put my life on pause. You know what I mean? So where where and, are you now in your love life? Now, okay. So after that, I actually wait, wait, did end was up. Was this finding, where the fucking worst was born? <laughs> I think I was the effing worst for quite a while. There was, you know, there there were a lot of escapades leading up to that of not fitting in, not doing things the right way, moving back in with my parents or just never leaving after college and living in my childhood bedroom. And Please you know, like, tell me you're not watching. still there now. 
No. (laughs) (laughs) This is not your childhood bedroom I'm looking at. It is not. This is the, I am sitting in the kitchen at the counter of my house in Sag Harbor, which is a weekend home. We've we've moved on. (laughs) <laughs> I'm way out of that, out of that childhood No one's bedroom, going to be rushing is, out to buy this book otherwise. <laughs> no, yes, there is a satisfying arc to it, oh, I promise. <laughs> yeah, I did finally grow up yeah, have to put a uh, in many ways. Put the book down. <laughs> yes. Yeah, never mind. If she's still in that bedroom, I'm yeah. not reading it. That's not to say that I've become a perfect person and like it. Am on top of my paperwork, or you know, one of those people who's like, I'm fully in my power and do everything right and speak my truth all the time. I'm still a hot mess in many ways, but I am with a, I, I'm in a very happy marriage. I mean, it's the best thing in my life. I, I love my career too. I love what I do for work. I find, feel like I finally found my thing, and that was a long struggle to find the thing that I was meant to do that would pay me really well, pay me a lot of money. Like those were two things that I was very slow to come to. It was a long and windy path. And so at age 37, I got married. Not that marriage is the end all and be all, but like met my husband at age 32, 31, 32, while I was still in the terrible relationship. And that, by the way, was very helpful for keeping me from being like a gaping maw of neediness with the right person. And how, like I was still, what's he like, your husband? What is my husband like? Yes. Who's the man that finally made you settle down for yes. sake and move out of your parents? I'll tell you this. So the, <laughs> I had already moved out. I did move out when I was 26, okay. but that's pretty late in the scheme of things to still be there till 26. So I met my now husband at a party on a boat, like when I was in the depths of this terrible relationship and had, and he had cheated, this guy had cheated on me with people who weren't just his wife. And, but I was still clinging to it. And I went to this party on a whim. It was like a dance night and I never skipped dance or an opportunity to be with the, the boyfriend. But I decided, I was like, I need to go to this party. I need to be surrounded by people who get me who go to see movies that don't have sharks in them. And so I went to the party and hit it off with this guy who like was so easy to talk to and he was wearing cool jeans and he was just fun. He was, he was just easy to be with. And I thought that night, like, this is the kind, and we talked about movies, like the movies that I loved and agreed on them and talked about New York City and all kinds of things. Like we talked about everything in that evening. And I thought, this is the kind of guy I should be with if only he were straight. No. So that's all to say that nothing about my <laughs> husband to me read straight. Like I just thought he's so easy to talk to. He wears cool clothes. He had these cool kind of architect, like heavy frame glasses and had great design. T- he was obsessed with design, great taste, commented on my outfit. And so it just never occurred to me that he wasn't gay. And the next time I saw him was at this little gathering, at, coincidentally on 9-11. It was very strange evening where my sister and I were had been cooped up all day, like watching the terrible footage with our parents and decided we needed to get out of the house and went downtown. 
and to this restaurant that was closed for the evening. My friend owned it and he said, come on down. We just got friends and family here. And Steven was sitting there, the first person I saw, he was there. This is the next time I saw him. And he said, oh, hey, I remember you. This is my girlfriend. So he was sitting there with a woman with his arm around her and said, this is my girlfriend. And, you know, there's usually that record scratch of like, like crap he's taken. But for me, it was like, ding, he's not gay. And he's just a wonderful guy who is he is knowledgeable about so many things. He is kind of a polymath, like obsessive, deep dives into history, into design. He has the best taste. He sets up little tableaus on our bookshelf of art and he collects art and ceramics. We collect together, but he's really the, I'm just the enabler and always wears the right thing. And he cooks and he, he does all these things that would make you think he's not gay. He's, he's and, a bit like, yeah, I, was, I mean, that he is gay. I, I, Sorry, well, I had that with Sergio. I've married a Latin man who dresses very well and far too well, loves the way, you know, he keeps himself well. He loves to always compliments me, always talks to my girlfriends, loves to be with women and the same. And actually, I realized that back in the day, I think when we were all meant to be looking for husbands, we were so busy looking for our husband to sort of fulfill financial needs and needs for our future. Like we were interviewing them like it was a job interview. What do you want for the future? How many children do you want? Where would our kids go to school? Who's going to pay for what? And we missed what was really important. We missed all the, you know, the other bits, which actually, because I've realized if you're in the right relationship, everything else comes. Because if you're genuinely happy, you'll both make money and you'll both somehow, you know, I don't know, it just works. It just happens. It's like you said, finding the job of your dreams suddenly you're making a shitload of money. And before you were struggling because you weren't happy, you know, and that's just the truth. If you're happy with what you're doing, money flows, it comes, everything comes. And I think that if we just stopped programming our kids and, you know, girls to look for a provider rather than a mate that's going to go everywhere with you and do everything with you, that we would have very different lives. Oh, yeah, for sure. In fact, so my husband was never like a huge moneymaker. He was in the restaurant business. uh, And restaurant business is like the worst business to get into if you want to make money. And so I certainly didn't pick him for that. And I, I don't think I ever picked anyone for that, though I always had a vision of myself marrying rich. And I ended up not doing that. But what I was going to say is that he went in 2020, he had just quit his last restaurant job, like just before the pandemic happened. And he was going to take a couple of months and figure out what his next move would be. He was a little burned out and he was like, okay, you know, find another restaurant project in a few months. I'm going to take some downtime. Then the pandemic happened and he was like, "Mm -mm, no way, not going back to that. So for a good three years, he's just now like working on some new projects in a different direction. He's doing restaurant design. But for a good three years, he was like, I was the breadwinner and he was just making our life nice. Like 
supporting my work, keeping like keeping our social life going because I couldn't deal. Like I, I wasn't good. I'm never good at managing plans and stuff like that. But he was doing all the things that maybe a traditional husband might expect a wife to do while I was the one bringing in the money. And the, like more money came in in those years than probably ever before, just having that support in my life and being so happy with the person I am with, which I've, I've always been since we have been together. But just that that arrangement in our relationship where he wasn't bringing in a dime well, that's um, a, was really lucrative. A very, very interesting topic because I get asked this a lot, a lot. And actually, mm-hmm. it's good to hear because I have a different kind of relationship because my husband's 28 and I'm 47. So he moved to a country yeah. he didn't know and, you know, took on the role in my life, right? You know, he just left university. I met him when he was 24. So I get asked this all the time, but I get asked it because, you know, obviously the age gap. You obviously don't yes. have the age gap. And they and I get a lot of women going, how do you cope? And that's not to say, look, I didn't have to like, you know, take over Sergio's normal life. He had his own money that he'd made from soccer. But, you know, he's not in the same, wasn't in the same position. Obviously, I have a huge house and three kids and five members of staff. Now, it never bothered me, but people always ask because I actually think now we, we, when we were dating, it was different. But now we've gone into business together and we have different talents. Obviously, he's got a business and marketing degree that he, he got. So he does all the stuff behind me that you don't see. I mean, all these pretty little clips and everything that on social media and all the, I, I, have no, I, I, I have no idea how to make any of those and all the stuff that we do. <laughs> he's the technical side. And as you're right, we bring in more money as a powerhouse, but women go, how do you, how do you put up with it? Or how do you, you know, because it, it, it's so foreign to women that, you know, he doesn't leave for work, go out, bring home a paycheck. And how do you make that work? So did you ever resent that? Because you, he is the same age. Okay. So this is, it's very interesting because I answer this all the time and I'm absolutely fine with it. And, you know, do you have a prenup? Did you do things like that? Because we did. Do you ever, does it ever annoy you and think, what about, what if um, we don't work? Then what happens? Do you have to, you know, am I going to have to pay him? Like, does it ever cross your mind? Or you just, you just gave straight into it going, my life is a hundred times better like this. And he facilitates me to have a great life and us to have a great life. And I'm making more money because I'm happy. Yeah. Like I think that the, the objection, well, I I guess some women have an objection to that arrangement. By the way, my husband is actually not the same age. He's nine years older. So that makes it even more, I think, unusual of, of an arrangement. But uh, that said, I am in an industry, so in a sort of work environment of online, like course creators, influencers, et cetera, where it's a very common thing to quote, retire your husband. So that happens a lot. And then also another thing that people do in my line of work is they, like their husband quits their career, quits their job and goes to work for the woman, like as what I would call a back end boy, doing all the tech, setting up the ads, yeah. all that kind of stuff. So it's not that unusual. However, societally, I will say it's a lot of men object to their, you know, the woman being the breadwoman, 
the breadwinner or feel emasculated by it. Girls always she ask makes me. more. They're like, how does the money work? Like, do you, you have a joint bank account? Like, do you care if he spends, you know, it's so funny to be asking the other way around because it's so rare. And I'm fascinated that other people are so fascinated by it, but I understand I have a 20 year age gap. Yes. Yeah. Right. Which is, I mean, yeah, that's a whole other layer on its own, the age gap. And I'm sure people assume that all kinds of things yes. about what he's after, about, yeah. you know, a, a, about the roles. But I will say, like, I, I don't think people judge it much. But one one thing that's unusual about my husband, about Stephen, is that he's so into it that way, not in a gold digger way, but in a in the sense of he loves it that I like he First of all, he loves to see me succeed. He loves to see me happy in what I'm doing. How long have you been and married? We've been married now. It'll be 16 years. Oh, wow. In September. So it is working. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is working. It is working. And did we do a prenup? I think we tried to do a prenup. I think it. we put it off. It ended up being a postnup. But, and, but we did it with... The knowledge, like everybody thinks their marriage is going to last forever when they get married, just about everybody. And I was pretty confident that ours would last, but I know there's always the possibility. To me, the possibility was someone could always go nuts. You don't know what's going to happen to someone's mind. Like there could be some sort of mental illness where they become a totally different person. And so I thought that like the two of us as we were, and as we are, we'll last forever. But you never know about the, those kinds of things. Do you I ever resent? But I never felt threatened. Hmm? But do you ever resent having to do all the work or and, and he's no. at home? No. I mean, we're, we're both at home. The only thing I resent is when I'm working and trying to focus. I don't have an enclosed, like my own office in either of our homes. So get a I'm cupboard. Sort of, it's open season. Yeah, I need a, I need a closet like yours. Like a well-appointed closet. It's a closet. I find one. <laughs> None of mine are big enough. I would be sitting under like the eaves, but or or surrounded by my clothes, which is not sightly, and the piles of shoes. But at at any rate, like I find myself having to be rude a lot of the time because it doesn't look like I'm working necessarily when I'm sitting at my laptop, and he might come over and try to chit chat or say like, "You didn't watch that last." cat reel that I sent you. I'm like, no, I didn't. He's like, just watch it. I'm like, no, I cannot. So I find myself being rude to him a lot. But there, I really don't resent the arrangement of me, which now he's working again. And I kind of miss the way it was like, he wasn't working, I was working, I could talk to him anytime I wanted. And he really does like, he works hard to make our life nice. Like we have a cleaning person who comes once a week or what twice a month, really not like we don't want someone around every day. And he cleans a lot. He's always cleaning. He cooks dinner for us. He is always like redecorating, making things look nice. Again, like making social arrangements. And those are all things I don't want to do. Those are jobs that I suck at. And so I feel like the division of labor has been great. But I, I'm also happy for him that he's now found something new that he can sink his teeth into work-wise, because I think a lot of happiness comes from 
working. What that is when you're working on something that you like that taps into your talents and feels creative in my mind. Like it, it has to be creative and and harness your talents. And I, I feel like it's hard to live a happy life without that for me and for my husband. So I'm glad that he's back, that he found something new to get into. That's not the same old restaurant grind, but it was like, it's been a nice couple of years having, I I haven't resented it at all. I love hearing that. Being the one bringing in the money. My husband's out now in uh, Bali looking at our next project and he's a workaholic, but you know, normally his entire life is dedicated to making me shine and making my, you know, us as a couple shine and, you know, doing everything behind me. And, you know, I'm so happy he's gone off to do this on his own too, which he's so excited about. But I love hearing this because, you know, it is a new thing. And I do see a lot of influencers. I think they have their husbands behind them or they end up marrying the cameraman. Yes. But, you know, I, I absolutely love knowing that he's in the house downstairs and that we, we work together and we travel together and we can always take off together. I think that's such a nice way to live. It really is. I don't have to wait for him to come home. But I also do get so much stick. And we've been together not, you know, we've only been together five years now. But, you know, it's definitely not a sugar mama arrangement, which is what I get a lot And he's not that type. He's not even that type. Like, you know, even though we have like, you know, uh, we we earn our money together, he wouldn't even buy buy himself a pair of jeans without asking, which I find ludicrous uh, at this stage. You know, buy whatever you want. It's his money, my money. Right. It's we 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 earned it together. But he's just not that guy. It's not like he pops out and buys Dior all day and like, you know, and goes, oh, surprise. Look how I look. He'd rather dress me. So I think people have such a misconception of a house husband or what that looks like, because, you know, wives aren't like that either. It's not like women just sit around all day. I mean, there are some that sit around all day and shop, but the average woman is then, you know, if you've got kids and you're cooking and you're cleaning, your day is pretty fucking full on. Yeah. So I think that it's, it's great that it's, it should be more acceptable. No one would think twice if you were the one sat at home and he was bringing home the money. No, If you were cooking and cleaning, no no one would say a thing. So that's what's not a thing. I mean, with the slight age gap, like him being nine years older, they might assume if I were the one sitting at home, they might assume it was a sugar daddy relationship. Whenever it's, whenever there's an age gap, whichever, you know, whoever it is, but I think especially in your case, whenever there's an age gap like that, and the woman is the older one, people assume the work, they just assume it is a, a sugar mommy relationship or no, they assume case, Sergio is tied up in this closet for sex purposes only and I'm paying for it <laughs> the boy toy <laughs> yes exactly. yes yes exactly and I, I I think people can't they can't wrap their heads around a the the gender role reversal and b that age gap when the woman is older they cannot get their heads around it we're so obsessed with age and youth especially where the woman is concerned that it's just unfathomable to people that it's like, that it's mutually agreeable, like a mutually desire that there's mutual desire there. Yeah. 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 And, um, you know, I think, I think, well, we're breaking boundaries. And I think, I think that all of these boundaries, as we said, you know, the beginning, it's, it's all 
about empowering yourself. It's all a mindset. It's all changing the way we think and just being able to move forward. In, and I don't think about the, I mean, I think about the age now only because everyone else does. So I, I joke about it all the time. But I genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, don't, doesn't bother me. I never feel like I'm old next to him. I don't care. He loves me. We've been together long enough at this point. He's got nothing to prove. I think, you know, I love yeah. the way that you are so open into this kind of role reversal as well. And I think the world is just a different, different place. And I think that some of these things, just watching us do these things or watching us sort of where we were meant to fall, you know, the, I mean, everyone was waiting for me to fall when I ran off with a 24 year old, everyone. Oh, sure. You know, and I'm sure like when you started doing all the work and he was sitting at home, everyone's going, this will be over in a year. You know, all of these things, <laughs> everyone's waiting for the worst, but actually yes. it, it made it the best. I actually think the age yeah. gap's what keeps us together because we laugh so much about it. It's actually funny for us. Oh, man. yes. I was asked in Marbella if he was my son. <laughs> yeah, I could see that happening. I'm no longer, sadly, no longer asked if I'm my husband's daughter. <laughs> I've passed that threshold of, <laughs> of youthful looks for a while. For a while, we, I mean, we still joke that I'm his child bride, but I imagine that you probably, when you met your current husband, like back to this idea of needing to go through those mistakes or just wrong paths or it's just like feel things that didn't feel right for us after a while that you probably felt like this is what I've been missing. This is what I needed. Like, did you feel that when you first met him? Like this person makes me feel like myself. Yes, finally, that I could absolutely be myself when I did find out his age because he lied about it to me. I, I actually <laughs> was petrified. That's where the fear comes in. At the beginning, he was perfect just because he listened. We had so much fun. He didn't know who I was. We were just talking about ourselves and we just, and our lives. And it didn't care. Neither of us cared about any of the logistics or anything because, you know, for me, it was just fun. And, you know, it was just nice to meet someone that we just talked for hours and hours and hours. But then, you know, when reality hit in, then the fear comes. And that's when you sort of go, God, this can't, you know, this absolutely can't work. And that's when you need to make those life decisions. And, you know, I mean, I had all those knots in my stomach and my gut absolutely in, in knots because not, as I, I've said many times before, there wasn't one person that said, oh, this is a great idea. Go for it. You know, yeah. as they wouldn't be. Any sane person wouldn't say that to you. So, no. you know, it's just being able to be led by your own what you know is right, because invariably we all know ourselves. And if you go with it wholeheartedly, these things work out. Everything works out in the end. Yeah. I, I think that there's no better feeling, no more surefire recipe for happiness than feeling like you are being yourself and being with someone who brings out yourself. And, the, and conversely, being with someone who makes you feel like, you're not being quite you. You're never quite yourself. You're shaping your words, your opinions, um, your outfits, whatever it is, shaping yourself to fit what they want or what you think they want. That is true, I think, unhappiness. That is just it's exhausting. Yeah, exhausting and feeling just feeling outside of yourself. It's so uncomfortable 
that when you, if you go through that and then meet the person who makes you feel like you, it's like you have to go for it. You can't not. Well, I think that's a really good rule, ladies. I think that's an actual good place to end this because it's absolutely true. I think whatever that looks like, rather than what we've been told it should look like, because today it comes in all different shapes and sizes. And I think we've all said that, you know, we've proved that. And we're in things that societally wouldn't normally work, but somehow have. Or, you know, we were told that shouldn't work or couldn't work or aren't right. But I wouldn't change a thing, not a thing. And even if it didn't work in the end, so what? I've had a great ride. So, yeah, you know, I think it's it's very interesting. There are no rules today. And I think, you know, it's absolutely right that if you have the right man behind you and, you know, your job requires more than maybe his did and you need to be supported by your man, that is, you know, your man just to support you so that you can go off and shine. That there's no shame in that today, too. Many, many people do this now. There's no shame in any arrangement as long as you feel like you are your true self with this person. That's what's sustainable. I think for you, Caroline, it's going to work out. You know, you say, even if it doesn't work out, but like, even if it comes to an end, it will have worked out because you're with someone who makes you feel like yourself. That's, that's the only way to be. Yes. And I know exactly who I am now. Thank you, Laura. This has been really, really fun. I've loved talking to you and tell everyone how they can find you and where to your books and everything on social media. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. So you can come find me. My, my, my digital home is talkingshrimp.com, spelled just like it sounds, a talking shrimp. You can find my book at toughtittiesbook.com. I don't recommend going to toughtitties.com. I don't, I can't tell you what you're going to find there, but toughtittiesbook.com, I promise you is a safe, a safe space to buy my book. All the booksellers are listed and linked there. And then on Instagram, I am at Laura Belgray. And please do come find me if you, I, I know this is Caroline's job to say, but if you liked this episode, please tag us both, like story it. I will story you back. I love connecting with people who heard me on a, on a podcast, especially like this one. So come find me. And yes. thank you so much, Caroline. Feel free to subscribe, write and review, actually. Well done, Laura. Thank you for doing my job for me. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, give a review for Caroline's yes. podcast for Divorce Not Dead. Yes, thank you. Thank you for listening to Divorce Not Dead. Tune in next Wednesday for a new episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear from you. Follow me on social media at, at Caroline Stanbury for all the behind the scene action. 